Jun wanting to go deep. And he's got him! Jamison Williams eating up the yardage again. 81-yard reception. Here's a big hole. Look out, he is gone! Travion Henderson. And hand of Reese Hall. Reese Hall! Welcome back to Burning the Red Shirt Podcast. My name is Zach Tao, your host, and I've got Chris.eth. You just changed his username here on the chat. Um, Trend setting. Trend yeah. setting. And Andrew Katz is here with me also. Um, you guys are doing great tonight. I mean, anytime on ETH, I'm good. So I know you're just great. really irritated, Andrew. <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm Andrew.rug. <laughs> oh boy i think we just lost any follower of listener we just have you don't think that that the venn diagram of nft uh grifters and college football um aficionados is, is a circle i think there's a clear nft to dfs ratio that oh yeah would be yeah uh, a fun it's the same circle conversation that would probably yeah. get us canceled but yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think there's a lot of a lot of theories behind the old pump and dump isn't that what they call it andrew pump and yeah. dump. oh yeah all right um you got i see you guys wearing some pretty sweet shirts chris I, the boise shirt is sweet i have boise, actually yeah. i've been looking at that one for a long time this one, I, yeah it works well because i'm a horse owner now oh, for yeah. those that don't know, are you owner? Yeah, I uh, own a horse named Cowgirl. She's like 20, 21, maybe. She's retired basically, and then I then we're gonna buy a horse that's gonna be a newborn in the summer. Um, so I need a big DFS season coming up. <laughs> Let's just can put I, it that way. Draft props. I don't. I don't know the answer. Money. How, how? What's a lifespan of a horse? Like thirty. Okay. okay. It's trust me, I like three months ago I do nothing and then I just ask a bunch of questions because my wife got mad at me once because she was like, You're not interested, you're not like involved. <laughs> um, you're not you don't care. And she just texted me, she says, We own a horse named Cowgirl. Because um, <laughs> I'm where, where are you boarding the horse? I dude, I can spit all the it's I in the room the behind the there. Yeah, yeah, it's door. right back there. It's, it's right like back a there. little bit to let no. Um my wife rides and she shows and she does it at a barn that's like 15 minutes away. So yeah. we have just kind of like parlayed that where cowgirl boards, hangs out, lives out in the the yard or whatever they call it or the field. And then, uh, yeah, so it's the life I've become. It, it's definitely made me more um, uh, dependent on fancy winnings. I'll tell you that. I'm very much <laughs> motivated. That's for sure. Nice. Andrew, what you got on tonight? Dude, I got right in my city. A uh, little St. Peter's Strut of Destiny shirt. This is my first time wearing it. I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I couldn't get. So we are. I ordered the shirts the day they came out, the, the Monday after the round of 32 when they had won their first two games. The day at home field dropped them. I think it was actually Sunday morning. And I was like, fuck, they're not going to get here in time for when they get eviscerated by Purdue on like Friday night or whatever. <laughs> and they didn't. They got, but they got here Saturday afternoon. So I had the shirt, me and Margaret had our shirts for uh, the Sunday game. But like, I couldn't get all, I don't know. I, I can't get jazzed up for like a 5 p.m. tip. Uh, like, I needed that game to be at 8 p.m. And then I would have been like, borderline blacked out repping my shirt and stuff and but i don't know like i and the, the game sucked too like they 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 played about 15 minutes of good basketball against unc and just got blown out of the water in the other 25 which i mean it's fine like, yeah can't really complain but no i, I mean I that's know. the furthest they like as that seed has ever gone, never right? made it to the elite eight so i mean that's amazing yeah, yeah. it's insane because the didn't florida go close did they go sweet 16 yeah yeah, okay. Oral Roberts once sweet sixteen yeah, as well. Right. That was a cool one too. Yeah, I think um I, I like the funny thing was, you know, ha, was it Shaleen Holloway? I think the Shaheen. name was Shaheen. Uh he took the Seton Hall job, which is awesome, good for him. 
Yeah. But like the whole time I'm like, man, like within like 30 minutes of losing, he took the job. I'm like, whatever. That's like kind of whatever. But like his whole team was there at the press conference, right? Yeah. Like that's Dude, and like good well, for him. Like that's like I think that shows no. like how big of an impact he made on those kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally yeah, yeah. speaking, for, not for sure he did it all the all the right way. Um, and it's, it's dude, it's a it's a love fest between city team and Shaheen still. Like there was a parade in Jersey City on Friday. We were like the whole whole city had off, all the city employees had off, but we had to go. We went down to Charlottesville, Virginia, for a wedding, and we left Friday morning, so we didn't get to go to the parade. But oh, I forgot your Vatek is one is one of your teams. I forgot. Come on, man! You gotta, you gotta. It's tough to keep them. track of all your teams. I got but, twelve, man. It's not hard, okay? <laughs> I got twelve. But uh, yeah, but Shaheen was at the parade apparently, even though he'd taken the scene hall job like earlier in the week. Which I mean, that he'd already won me over like 99 percent. But being at the parade is big. Like I, I think that's the that's the perfect way to close the door there. But well, no but. But interestingly. Uh, three of St. Peter's players just entered the portal the other day. I wonder if they follow him to Scene Hall. They said they just want to see what's out there. So, I mean, I, I get it. It makes total sense. Well, they got all the exposure they could yeah. possibly have wanted. So, right. Yeah. Why not? But yeah, I mean, it's been awesome like living here and, and experiencing it. That's actually pretty cool. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, what you- it's something that's like a once in a lifetime like story. Like, they may never, I mean, I hope no, they- it's, it's absurd. Yeah. Uh, so Zach, what are you wearing? It looks like Cincinnati Bengals as well. Is that Arkansas State? <laughs> no, you hit on it, but it is a Tiger Woods head cover. Frank head. That's what he's called, but that's Tiger Woods head cover. Masters week. I figure I might as well rock the Tiger Woods head cover. So, um, what do you think Tiger's going to do this weekend? My heart tells me that. He finishes he wins by seven strokes. <laughs> wins by the most shots ever. Um, no, I, I think he finishes pretty well. I'll, I'll say top ten. <laughs> that I mean, I mean, is his heart? That's but fair. if you look, well, think about it. Like, it, you may not know the numbers, but he's missed the cut twice at the Masters, and they were both before he returned pro. He was an amateur. What was the last time he played a round of golf? Year well depends how what you define a round of golf like a professional round of golf. <laughs> yeah, for, I finished okay. a round of golf two weeks ago. I'm not asking about that. Okay, when did he play a real round well, of golf? He's been out since January of 21 with the injury. So he's been out 15 months. Do you think he's going to go to Masters, a major, the greatest major that he's won five times and, fi- and finish top ten at the age of? 40 or whatever it is. 46. 46. Yeah. You think he's pumping some HGH or steroids in there? Or what? what's going on? He's pumping in there, to be honest with you. Like, you you can't tell me that these networks aren't, like, just singing hallelujah. Oh, they're so he's, oh he's of course. Playing. Like, they don't even care if – honestly, like, missing the cut would suck for them. But the, those first two rounds – they, the ratings are going to be through the roof. So, I don't know. I, I mean, my heart says that. But realistically, I, I do think he makes the cut, like, no problem. I'm kind of upset I cashed out my missed the cut bet now. <laughs> I, and it moved 25 cents from minus 15 to minus 140 now, so I can't get back in without paying the juice. Well, I paid <laughs> – I put $60 on him to win at 40 to 1. Were you thinking clearly when you did that? <laughs> you know the answer to that. Yeah. And no, I was not. But I probably still would have done it the next morning, given the opportunity. <laughs> How late in the morning, Zach? <laughs> Which probably, <laughs> no, maybe not even the morning. Maybe. I mean, like, uh, when you but think why not? like that, though, it's all about the odds, right? Like, it's Tiger. Like, no one thought he would win back when he did, what, three, four years ago, right? So, like. Right. People win with crazy odds. So, like, you throw money on guys that have crazy odds. Like, nobody wants to win a five to one bet. Like, that's fun, yeah. but it ain't that you cool. Put, like, like, you want to win the 40 to one. Yeah. 
Why? Why? Why do you think his? You own some of his rookie cards. Why do you think they are so cheap? Like relatively speaking, like you have graded so, graded rookie so cards. What's up? They're so mass produced. They're not numbered. Really? Yeah. I mean, like they just made so many of them. I mean, he think about it. In two thousand and was that a card from two thousand one or two thousand two? Yeah. Whatever year that's from. Yeah. Like, what other golfer were you gonna collect at that point? Like, VJ Singh. Ernie Els, I mean, like Phil Mickelson. I mean, like, there's only a handful of guys anyway that, and he, and nobody moved the needle like he did, and still does. Yeah. So, like, if they made, what about this guy? guy? How dude, many that, they got of this guy? Dude, stop it! That card's worth a lot of money. Yeah, I know it is. I'll <laughs> give you twenty bucks. We've talked about this. How do you not know that I have this card? I do. I do remember now that you that you have. The, I will say though, it is. The perforation, I was, I was a pretty good 12-year-old in terms of ripping cards out of Sports sports Illustrator for kids. It mm-hmm. is not, in terms of the Frank, well, I'm not going to do this one. There's, like a, there's definitely yellow at the top. Dude, grade I'm that sucker. Gonna... Get that PSA 6. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. The funny thing is, it, everything went hot about, I don't know, 12, 18 months ago. And uh-huh. someone was like, yeah, this, this Tiger Woods card is, like, the best. And I was like, holy shit, I think I have that card. Like, I'm pretty positive. And I searched everywhere, and I found it, like, pretty quickly because I, I was pretty positive I had it. So there it is. So yeah. I say that, like, jokingly, get your PSA 6. I, I mean, you got – Dan Back. We have a private, we have a private chat. DFS here. guy, Dan Back. I just sent you, like, like, the private chat. He bought one for, like – he shared it with somebody else for, like, 30K. It was, like, a PSA 9 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. That's actually really compare like that's really close to mine. Like, I have that same yellow top. Dude, gotta buy you another horse. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so I want to kind of move on. We we can get back to the masters pick. I, I'll do some masters picks other than Tiger at the end. I thought but... this was the segue into permanent card conversations. We were going. <laughs> I didn't know if you guys wanted to Let's go. Get there. into it. Why not? We're not talking about speaking of a card podcast. Okay, can we, we're talking can we talk? We talk about the couple college football things, then go to the. <laughs> I don't want to lose everybody before we get to all, all three of the listeners. I don't think people follow us. Strictly for college football. I think they follow us for the banter, the friendly yeah, banter, the fun dude, conversation. I, I, the maybe t-shirts. people are wired differently than I am, but the podcasts I listen to, it's maybe 10% for content, like 20 to 30% because it's engaging. Another yeah. 20 to 30% because I actually, I think that there's something that, I think that there's like a secret sauce of the skills that these people have in terms of how they talk about stuff and how they think about stuff that mm-hmm. I want to rub off on me and I want to absorb that and make it a part of myself. So like, the, I don't know. I like, I can tell you that 20 to 30% at the end is not us. So we have to really hammer the rest of it. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to think that we're, we're more articulate, more engaging, more interesting than, than most of the podcasts out there. Yeah. Um, I, I like to talk about other things than just college. Football. There's Yeah. Like, our, like myself, like ourselves. Exactly. So, we can talk cards. I do want to cover the few college football topics we do have, if that's okay with you guys. It's not, but you're going to make me. It's it's on our contract. All right. So I'm going to jump have in. to do it. Doing it. Let's get through it, and then we can get to our important stuff. All right. So um, I don't know if you guys saw, but Ajay Hall from Alabama was left off the team's roster. And then actually just like an hour ago, Saban had a presser and said that he's been suspended for violation of team rules. So what do you think that means, and why does he transfer? Do you I want can't. this, Chris? Or I'll, I'll take I'll this. Go to, you go first, and then I'll go next. Yeah. You go first. I mean, in terms of Alabama, generally speaking, I don't think it moves the needle too much relative to the production of the other players around him. I'm, I always mm-hmm. thought about him as, like, as most likely third or fourth option. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's been Burton and then Brooks, and then I guess you can consider JoJo Earl to maybe bring a little something to the table. I've talked about how I I think Hall is talented and was stoked for him when he got on the field and made a couple of positive plays in the title game. But removing him from the Alabama equation, I don't think it really does much. I don't think that it makes 
Brooks or Earl or Burton more likely to succeed. I don't think it really buttons their production much at all. The most likely outcome was he that was Hall was going to be the fourth receiver, or maybe I mean they're always bringing in more five stars, more four stars, right? Bringing in maybe unlikely another transfer, but I mean it wouldn't have been overly surprising if someone else, regardless, kind of stepped into that. Uh, so that, that fourth most productive receiver position. So, like, if you're him and you get suspended, yeah, your road back to even any kind of meaningful playing time has to be tough, right? Like, you, yeah, you've got, I mean, you're already you're saying fourth, and you're saying you got two, three, maybe four freshmen coming in that are just probably as talented as he probably is. So how do you get back on the field? You have to absolutely be head and shoulders above like everybody really. We've done this like 10 times with him over like the, just the last season. I'm it. He's, you got to figure this is like the, and then when season. Addison transfers in, he's really right, got, right. really he got, was, he, there's, there's all right. There's so many names, not so many names, I guess, but there's other guys that, have gotten hyped by all our friends and like Debbie and CDTC and stuff. Like people talk about that guy, Christian Leary, like he's the truth. And I've never heard this, this dude doing anything on the actual playing field, but Ajay, do you remember what people were talking, were saying about him coming out of the spring game last year? They thought he, like he was going to be the next great Alabama receiver. So I'm sure he'll continue to be an, relevant in our sphere it's just the, the the big question which i feel like we get an answer to sooner rather than later is if it's at alabama and i would guess that the answer to that is probably not yeah i think that's a no right like i i uh saw something from nate who we on the podcast obviously respect uh his opinion they he said basically like he actually like it trended differently for him he thought earl and then when this happened, now he's kind of wavering towards Dracory Brooks. The old Britney Spears bet is coming back here. He he originally was leaning Earl, now he's Brooks. But I think for me, it's and he he, he dude, there's no way if you put a gun to his head, would he actually admit that he's leaning Brooks right now? But I I, I saw that too. I saw how he mentioned that. Like Hall I think Brooks. his point is that uh, Ajayi Hall being gone is a benefit to Brooks. And I think that's a no doubter, whether that means he's a backup and now he's no longer a threat, or he was like maybe 50, 50 or 60, 40 on that outside receiver spot. Cause Earl is definitely a different receiver, right? Like he's a slot. He's an agile move him around like screen type guy. And that's not necessarily Ja'Cory Brooks. And so it's nice to see in a, in terms of fantasy, I don't, what he did to get suspended is probably something that none of us want him. Dude, it's like, probably not, awesome. It's probably something crazy and not great. So yeah. let's not like prop it up, be positive about it, but, or enjoy it. But uh, yeah, I think like that's good news for our books, bet. like, I don't want to sing on this podcast. Okay. But so here's the quote. Here's the exact quote from Saban. He is suspended from the team for violations of some team rules, whether they're academic or whatever. He's already had that opportunity to return to the team once, so I don't know what his plans are for this. Yeah, season. he needs to go. Yeah, I Saban ended the press conference yeah. saying 200 targets for Jacory Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all agree, right? Like his his option or best option to be successful with playing time in college football is to not play in the state of Alabama. Correct. Yeah, I think it's time for him to make moves. Maybe he'll go chill with uh, Sark in uh, in Austin for a little bit. <laughs> or SMU could take another receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's really the only big news topic I want to talk about. So I, I came up with um, – you guys actually – maybe it was Chris, I think, he said that we should like pick between two players that are similarly drafted – and um, discuss which one you would take and why. And I came up with a list. It's nothing crazy. Heck, I might be just way off on some of them. But anyway, I'll start with the first one. I'll put it up on the screen. Dylan Gabriel versus Adrian Martinez. 
So let's set some some ground rules of what we're actually talking about here. <laughs> we're talking okay. about for just the 2022 season. Yeah. Um, like who, who would you draft? You have the opportunity to do this over. for uh, redraft or managed leagues or best ball. Let's say managed, but if you think yeah. there's a difference, yeah. like a clear difference yeah. in your conversation, say, hey, by the way, in best ball, I would lean this way as well. Fine. I'll, okay. I'll let you start because I'll let you start, Andrew. It, I, I mean, I don't know if Zach actually thought it through to the point of I these guys are interesting for X, reasons X, Y, Z in the sense there that – no thinking. There's a lot less thinking. Well, they're, they're both transferring program. into new programs, right? They're both yeah. – the their, right? their ADPs based on the drafts we've done are not super similar. Uh, Gabriel, I feel like he's usually going off the, ra- the board in rounds five, six-ish. Uh, creeping into the fourth. Martinez has kind of tumbled a little bit since news that he's not really doing much this spring, still recovering from shoulder surgery. But expectation, I think, recently was he's a little bit ahead of schedule and should be throwing within the next month or so. But he, he in our most recent draft, which caveat, uh, tight end, a million tight ends go a zillion rounds early because it's double PPR for tight ends. Uh, but he, he tumbled a little bit. I think he went like somewhere in the 11, 12, 13 range. So, but who would I want? I would say at ADP, I really wanted to try and get my hands on uh, Gabriel at the beginning of draft season. He, I think I got him in like round eight in one draft and and that was awesome. When he's going in like fourth or fifth round, I, I'm a little more sketched. Um, so I might lean Martinez at those price points. Absolutely in a vacuum I, without having to consider ADP. I love Gabriel Moore. I think he's going to crush it at Oklahoma. Perfect fit. We've already seen it play out when uh, he has played for Jeff Levy. They, their weapons are solid enough. And I think there's not really many questions to answer there. And he's got awesome upside that's already been realized in the past and he can realize it once again in the going forward. Yeah. I think you nailed it. Uh, I think their ADP is different enough where this makes it a really interesting conversation because I think overall Gabriel's the better pick, Yeah, but if you're looking at who's available at the same slot, I think I'd lean Martinez um, he's a worse thrower, better runner, and it's conversely on the other side for Gabriel. Do you know um, who uh, Martinez's OC is? At, no at, at Kansas State, Tom Klein. Oh, even better, right? Yeah, he's just going to run him into the ground. I think I at draft value. I think I feel pretty good about Martinez. Yeah. And I think it's just mainly because, like, he, like, yeah, he's not going to throw for it. He, he feels like a poor man's, in a sense, Garrett Schrader. Like, what's the difference? Except Schrader, I'm sorry, except Martinez has more, like, college experience and, in a sense, more proven track record. And mm-hmm. his offense is going to be way more focused on what he does well as opposed to Schrader, whose offense is probably going to be, like, they're probably going to try to make him a passer, like more. I'm, than I'm sorry, I, I haven't been able to like fully craft the the take, but I, I feel like Garrett Schrader is the most volatile player in all of fantasy this year. Like, I you could tell me, like, if you came from the future in January and told me how that season played out for him, I you could say literally anything. I would believe it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he lost the job like two weeks in. And if they try to force him too much into a model that mirrors what they did at UVA from kind of throwing the ball around the yard perspective. Yeah. And like, yeah, they were able to make Brennan Armstrong more of a passer than he was the day, the day when he walked on campus. But he also spent like three years in that system backing up Bryce, right? Um, so Bryce Perkins. So, I, I mean, it seems like they're like the staff is – yeah. It's more a, likely than not to mold the offense relative to the parts they have, which bodes well for Schrader. But I'm also kind of I've, – I've sketched out enough where I did that trade that you ripped me on Twitter for with Jared, and you guys both dragged me and then danced on my grave where I traded uh, – Had to. 
I traded Schrader and a, a sixth for Kyle McCord in a third. But I, I just I was I got sketched out over the what I feel perceived to be like realistically just get blown up god awful outcomes where his value plummets to close to zero. Yeah, I, I well for one I had to do it because of I got to keep it going right like I got to yeah, make definitely. it where I'm in, impartial. Of course, right? and that felt like an easy win for us. Yeah, you're an matter. analyst, so uh, yeah, I'm an analyst. Hashtag. Um, it's interesting though, like uh, Bryce Perkins wasn't like the gung ho, super pass heavy right. Brandon Armstrong type. So I'm very curious to see how they use him as, as Syracuse. I said it on the CTN chasing the natty show the other day like you gotta be an idiot to come into syracuse and be like you know what garrett schrader we're gonna throw it a bunch of times right like even mike leach saw him and was like no no, no we're not gonna pass it that much <laughs> like like we like you gotta think like a smart coach goes into that situation and does not force the hand i mean he's a caveman in a football costume right so like let's just let him run um but to circle it back like i think all signs points to Martinez for us. Yeah, that, no, more Schrader. More Schrader. <laughs> I think Martinez is the answer there. Maybe give us one that we're going to differ on. Uh-oh. Yeah. I think they could take a transfer, too, mute, by the way. at Syracuse. I, like, would it be that surprising? If no, he's two years of Schrader. So what Syracuse does is committed to at least two years. Yeah. So you got to really commit to it if you're, what is it, Robert and A? So we'll yeah. see. Is that, is that, I think you're, I think you're. It's fine. He put up the graphics so we muted. can just talk so to we, him. we don't need you anymore. Just put up graphics. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, I know where Chris stands. And um, anyway, I'd like to hear Jameer Gibbs versus Deuce Vaughn because they're both being drafted relatively in the same area i'll start i'll start because you you went last time i would say i mean i'm pretty i'm pretty pro gibbs Mm -hmm. i just think bama when they have a like a stud running back they have no issue hammering it and who are the backups right like yeah who's backups right now at bama um, guys that like are going to eventually be very good because obviously yeah. stars and just recruiting pedigree and all that stuff. But like the guy can catch, he can run, McClellan. he can return, and he did it at Georgia Tech. Like, what's t- why are you saying that he can't? Like, there's no way he can't do that at Bama with a stud quarterback. Burton will be very good. Brooks or Earl will be very good. So, like, they're going to have a stud offense, and they're going to do, a, like, a ton on offense. So, I love Deuce Vaughn. But I, okay. I would take Gibbs. I think it's burning hand uh, two in the bush type situation, but I lean Gibbs for sure. Yeah, my goal generally with first-round picks, which is when they both are going, is just not to lose my draft, lose the league. Like, <laughs> Um, and I don't think you can. I don't think either of those got these guys, barring injury, really. Yeah, it's not necessarily a wrong answer. It's just yeah. kind of which yeah. one, if you, yeah, your preference. I don't think there's really much, if any. Hey, what's up? Hi, Kai. Oh, we got it. We got it. We, got we have a well, fourth shot. Yeah. I think if you're leaning Vaughn, let me sub in here real quick. Uh, yeah. I think if you're leaning Vaughn, it's proven, right? Like it's a proven. Proven production and what the same offense that he's got. And the nice thing about Kansas State is, like, their receivers are nobodies. Like, they're guys that are not going to control the game, and they're not going to score every t- single touchdown, like um, with, like, a Bama offense where maybe Bryce Young throws for 50 touchdowns. Like, there's a possibility that Bryce Young throws for 45, 50 touchdowns. Like, that's real. Yeah. Um, so if you're leaning Vaughn, your thought is, well – I mean, he's getting five, six catches. He's also getting like a ton of carries for being five, five. It's amazing. He's awesome. So it's like that. Uh, yeah, it's like Andrew said. I think both of them are like at the same level. Like to me, if I'm building my queue, I'm probably putting Gibbs four or five, and I'm putting Vaughn five or six. 
that's yeah, that's fair. Andrew, did you want to chime back in? Or are you? The, I think the there there are a couple of cases that you can make against Gibbs from a certain perspective, in the sense of his workload mm -hmm. previously, uh, and he's usually split it with at least one running back. To if you count my boy Jeff Sims, uh, and also just how does he fit into the the pie, the overall pie of rushing and scoring at Alabama? But I think that those though that uncertainty can largely be shot down when you just think through it critically in the way that it that it plays out the vast majority of the time. I think it plays out the vast majority of the time with him being a superstar in that offense. So, um, I. I think it's more or less a coin flip and I'd probably just pick Gibbs because the offense is going to be a blast and they're going to score a ton of points and he's going to, he's going to roll up a bunch of yards, catch a bunch of passes, score a ton of points as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, I would lean Gibbs, but it's, it's almost a coin flip for me. Yeah. So, all right, this one, Andrew, you're going to really love. And I kind of just, these are all on the fly that I did, so they may not be great, but <laughs> Jojo Earl versus Gary Bryant Jr. Dude, I would never pick either of these two players. Um, <laughs> no, there's a clear they, to me. There's a clear winner. Yeah, I think, it, I, think, I think it's probably Earl, uh, just because I feel like there's eight to nine receivers getting on the field a game at USC. Saban, more or less, I can in recent years, I feel like the, the guys that are starters at the receiver spots are playing the, a very high percentage of snaps, even if though not all of those starters are scoring tons of fantasy points. They're at least putting, they're at least on the field for a lot of the time. Like, okay. Slade Bolden wasn't great at slot in the slot last year. Um, when he was, uh, when he was playing, um, most of the starting snaps, but I think that just the most likely reality being Earl starting at slot receiver will give him more a more easy path to production than Bryant having to win, re-win, I guess, the starting role at USC, and then I have lots of questions about how much time he's actually seeing, even as a quote-unquote starter in an offense that we've just seen so much rotation. I think that it really just depends on where you value Gary Bryant, where in the pecking order you think he is. Because if he's obviously one or two, I think then then it changes the conversation, right? Like, at least it does for me. But I guess. If, he, I if, he, where if he's battling down. two, three, four, then no. Oh, Chris. So I have to speak up because I own Gary Bryant in like every single best ball. <laughs> okay. So this is an interesting, this is really, really interesting. You did a really good job on the Zach accidentally. Cause I know you didn't do this on purpose. There was no thought. Jojo, yeah. Jojo Earl is like a 10 to 13 rounder, like 11 to 13 rounder in best balls right now. Pre Ajayi Hall news so you could conservatively just say 10 11th round gary bryant is a 20s like easily 20s so the the debate is really interesting because you're talking about jojo earl who's worst case a third receiver in alabama offense right we just talked about there is the potential not likely but you know not really likely but there's the upside of like 45 50 passing touchdowns for alabama and that means Earl's having a great year, right? But like Gary Bryant is a potential top two receiver for USC with Lane Kiffin. Like, think about like the OU. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lane Kiffin. I always get those confused for some reason. Lincoln Riley at USC. I mean, if you talk about Lincoln Riley offenses two, three, four years ago, you're going crazy over that. But I think there's like a little bit of a like a skew, like a like people don't want to like forget about the last year or two because the receiving group has been rough for OU in recent mm. years. But like if you take those last two years away, like you wanted all those guys back in the day, the CD Lambs and stuff like that, right? Mercedes Brown. 
Um, and what's really interesting about it is you're getting Gary Bryant. And like, I got him once at like the 27th round. Like, what would you rather have? Jojo Earl in the 10th or Gary Bryant in the 27th? You're right. You're right. You won me over. It was like, I, I like, I think Gary Bryant's the choice. Yeah. Um, but it is a really interesting conversation because the high, it's a, it's an Earl high floor, which I think with like, I think a limited upside, then you have a Gary Bryant low floor, really great upside for the pick. I would go Bryant, but it's just kind of like what you, what are you looking for? Mm. You know, what do you, do you need the upside? Do you need the high floor? Like it's kind of like dependent on your draft at the time, I think. Maybe I'll take Bryant when we start our draft on Friday. I saw Bryant, by the way, I saw Bryant get drafted in like the eighth round of a mock the other day. Dude, the, the variance is wild. It's great. Well, I it was not to bash by any means. It was more of a C2C type like mock. But yeah. that's just to say, I think the value in seeing that is like saying there are people out there that like value Bryant's skills. Right. So that like solidifies his potential value, generally speaking. But isn't it possible he's their wide receiver one? Hundred percent. I think that's kind of the the debate, I guess. Yeah. Right. I mean, the 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 debate is like he could be receiver one or he could be receiver five. Yeah. Or yeah. he could be receiver three or four, and the offense is mm-hmm. like average, which is very possible. Okay. All right, so the next three I have are quarterbacks. So this should go pretty quickly. I, this might be a disaster, but here we go. Anthony Richardson versus Caden Slovis. Who wants to take it's that? It's got to be Richardson. Yep. Pitt, Pitt no longer has Mark, Whip, Mark Whipple as OC. I think that there's not a ton of reason to expect Slovis to put up picket-type numbers. Especially if we're, what what would you say this percentage chance that AR fifteen is starting quarterback for Florida, dude? He is so terrifying to just watch like play football like that. That dude, like he earns his nickname of being a of like a, an automated weapon. Like it is, I I I can't imagine having to try to defend him. I my 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 general hope not drafting him. He's it feels like he's going higher and higher every draft. My general hope is that. Billy Napier didn't really do anything with Levi Lewis as his quarterback and not that they're really comparable in many ways, but like Lewis can run the ball fine. Like he was like, he showed the ability to do that. Yeah. And Napier's system pretty much was, okay, you're going to hand it off to your run back. Um, you're going to hand it off to your other run back or your other run back. And we're going to hit receivers downfield that are wide open as a result of us running the ball really effectively. And when you need, Oh, by the way, when you need to scramble, go and get some yards. It's not like he's designing runs for his quarterback. So I'm hoping he's that pig headed that he can actually, that he actually like does try to do that. Yeah. tries to jam AR 15 into that, uh, that kind of structure. Um, that's like the, that, or maybe, he just uh, picks Jack Miller because he brought him in. Like those are my only paths. Not looking like an idiot for not drafting any AR fifteen this year. So you asked the odds of him winning the job. What is your, what's your my uh, my per- your percentage I, to say yeah. he would? Let's say eighty uh, percent. I was yeah. seventy five twenty five is kind of what I, I was, was going to say. Like ninety. I just think he's so. I mean that guy was incredible last year. <laughs> yeah, it's for the insane. Time. Like it was insane. Like, I was playing him in DFS thinking, okay, he'll get 70% of snaps and I'll still play him because, like, his upside is so crazy good. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the reason why I go Richardson over Slovis is that, like, Kenny Pickett was obviously a great passer. And what's interesting is they don't, like, the weapons are pretty similar. Like, they don't lose, like, Addison's the guy you care about and he's still there. But I think the thing you like that's different is Slovis is not a runner, and Pickett got a lot of got enough points off of his rushing ability. He had 13 rushing touchdowns the last two years. Get five last year, eight the year before. Like, like Slovis is not going to be anywhere near that. They had to change the rules to the game because he was so good at running. He's so good at running. <laughs> you can't do you can't do his patented fake slide, fake slide anymore. I think. Uh, Napier would be an absolute idiot. It's possible to say, I'm going to do what I did at UL. 
Like, you know what? It was great at UL. It's totally going to work at Florida. You know, I, I think he's an idiot if he thinks that. Or, But organizationally, he's doing all the same thing. Like, have you ever read anything about him? He He's like, very, he basically wants to be Saban. Like, he comes from Saban uh, background, just like half of college football. But he, all the things in terms of how he built uh, UL were very, like, Saban organizationally. And when he went to do interviews he's he done did a ton of interviews at like small smaller time sec schools lots of other places all over the country to try try and land jobs the idea and like you never know the answer because no coach no school is going to say uh this guy turned us down or anything like that but the 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 assumption is all the conclusion of a lot of those interviews was him basically saying okay i'll come here but what needs to happen is I need this amount of budget for assistance. I need to run my program this way. I need this amount of freedom and stuff like this because this is what I need to do here to run my kind of program, yeah. um, which mirrors more or less, I think, what he was trying to do at UL. Uh, and the, the, a lot of those schools, I think, the the, the hypothesis is they were like, no, nah, we're not we're not down with that. Uh, but I think he's trying to mirror a lot of the things he's doing at Florida that he did at UL organizationally, how that translates on game day, who's to say, but I mean, what do you put it past a, a coach who's been incredibly successful at the, over the last half decade to think, well, I can just kind of port that over to my new school. Yeah, That's an interesting topic or debate or whatever is right. Like, it's psychological, right? It's all mental, right? Like Napier has been super successful. So he's thinking, this is how I've won. This is how I've been successful. Now I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. That's always gotten me wins. It's, is it possible? Completely. That's the Harson strategy. So, yeah. Let's not do that tonight, please. Um, Dude, they, they, and they sucked last year. And they st- like I don't know if you ever watched their games. They almost lost so many games, but uh, last year, and I think that they had eleven or twelve wins. Like I couldn't believe when I I looked up at the end of the year and saw what their uh, what their record was. Considering like they never, they it felt like they never covered. It felt like they let everyone down every single week in DFS, and it did. Yeah, they went thirteen and one last year, and it felt like they were a total disappointment. Talking Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, wait a second. Until you said like the 12 win part, I was like, this, this could be a lot of teams right now. We could talk about Auburn. <laughs> we could talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. I think AR 15. Okay. You just go with the nickname at the very least. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next one Jaden Delara oh, versus oh Sean. Boy. Um, <laughs> I think I man, actually I have a. Before I put Sean Clifford, I had Jordan Travis, but I felt that was too lopsided. It's too easy. Yeah. Right. So I had to change it. I have this thing where I hate Sean Clifford, and it's because he's always like 6,300 on DraftKings. Yeah, I hear you. And Galen is always saying, well, he's got the upside. He's got the upside. Like, just play him. Like, And I'm like, dude, projections are telling me to play him like 50%. Like, I'm not doing that. And like that's just why I have this like hatred for Sean Clifford. Yeah, I think, man, this is tough. I would say best ball. Give me Delora if you're playing. Mother, <laughs> I think there's value in Sean Clifford is where you're getting him in best balls. He is a solidified starter, high floor, low upside guy. Like he's great if you're going to pick something risky at the top. If you just need a, a high upside guy, I would go Delora. But his floor is like tiny. Like he could get benched in the fourth week type tiny. Yeah. I I, I say Clifford as well. Um I think that I I don't think you can worry about a freshman the freshman kid taking his job. Like that's just not a the way generally that it's profitable to play CFF. Uh, even though that kid's probably going to be sweet down the line, I think that Clifford yeah. will will have the job. I think his weapons are are in good shape uh, as well with Tinsley and Washington uh, there. I think with Delora, Delora just came from the system that 
he if you could like he he grew up playing the run and shoot he went to college to play the run and shoot and he still barely scratched the surface of fan, college fantasy viability and now he's going to like a school that hasn't won more than two games in like five years and i get it they i get it they let the athletic guys into their give it gave them a tour of the program so they wrote up a bunch of nice stuff about them and they recruited well as well but and that's all good uh, and I understand Jacob Cowan transferred. So there are some things about the program transfer or the program moving in a positive direction, but like Delora, again, he just came from the optimal circumstances for his talent and for his experience. And what, like you weren't starting that dude and getting any, and if you did, it wasn't playing out well for you. How and many- also yeah. he is a, like he is a total like I don't want to use this boomer phrase, but he's a total knucklehead. Like the dude's been he, co- he copped to Dewey. There's videos of him like fighting. I feel like there's videos of him like fighting teammates. He's been suspended at least once from the team at, at Washington State. Like you're, I agree with you. He could get benched at any time, and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Uh, Thank I, you for naming this podcast, by the way. What was that? Thank you for naming this podcast. This this episode. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. Uh, okay, yeah, I, Andrew. I let me ask it. you this: What do you think his like? Give me his touchdown to interception ratio last year. Last year, I'm surprised myself. So this is not it, me calling you out. I am genuinely surprised by the number I saw. Let's say nine to fourteen. He had 23 touchdowns and nine interceptions last year. Really. He and the crazy thing is he did twenty. He had twenty three touchdowns, nine interceptions in ten games. Then they won by four touchdowns against Washington, and then he had that CMU bowl game. What was that? The El Pas, the yeah, yeah, the Tiger yeah. Bowl, yeah, where disaster. he got hurt and was awful. <laughs> I it's funny because like I would have never thought that. I mean, he had like seven multiple touchdown rushing uh, passing games. But you're right. Like I think. I mean, he could easily – it could be a crapshoot. It's weird. Even why with the, are you even doing – Why with did you do touchdown this? and INT numbers, like, was he – am I wrong thinking that that dude – like, you didn't want to play him in your CFF lineups in – like, in DFS, it, all right, he was a variable based on slate. He was he was useful. But um, I think I think overall, like, across the CF, CFF landscape, I don't think he, he tracked pretty well over the course of the year. He only had twenty eight hundred passing yards. Is yeah, he point? only broke three hundred twice, and yeah. one of those was against Portland State. So yeah. he had like a bunch of two to three touchdowns max with like a pick two, or two. 40, 260, 270. So like and I don't know. The problem he with you anything on the ground either. Yeah. The problem with JDL is that like he's got a lot of like he's got a lot of guys around him now at Arizona in a sense, but they're not better than like the offense plus the guys at Washington State. Like, there's a lot of unknowns at Arizona. Like, mm-hmm. Stanley Berryhill was Your like boy. a very good re- – my boy. was a very good receiver for Arizona last year. He had one touchdown. Like, I don't know what a quarter, a new quarterback's going to do with that offense. I just – I would go Clifford. We've spent way too much time on JDL. But that's where yeah. we're at. We <laughs> agree. All right. Well, the last one's actually more for Andrew because I know what he thinks. But what does he truly think? Who wins this job? Oh. Seth Hinton versus Grant Gunnell. Dude, it's Grant. Like, there's we could we could do another 10, 15 rounds on the end of our best best ball drafts, and I'm still not drafting Hennigan. I've started to try to start. I've started to try to talk myself into drafting Grant in our best balls. But I, I haven't quite gotten there yet because, like, it could be an annoying thing of like a back and forth all season kind of deal. But I do not want any part of having game. What, what were you gonna say? Bizarre situation. Just never mind. <laughs> yeah, I I don't want any part of Hennigan because I <laughs> I think that Gannell may at minimum makes his life really annoying in terms of splitting reps taking starts from him and there's potential for it to just fully become Grant's job. Andrew, I mean, Chris, did you want to add anything? It was really mainly for Andrew. I knew I wanted him to say his piece on it. Don't look at me. I've, I personally 
I'm like right now. I'm just curious where Hennigan's going because Gunnell's not going. So Hennigan was going high at the start of draft season. Draft season being, of course, like January, so, February. So Hennigan. our first best ball that we did, I know it was the very first one. He went 14th round. Yeah, he just went like 26th in uh, yeah. Greg's draft last week. So people are starting to catch on about how Grant is the truth, which is interesting because like Hennigan was like. He had some good games. He was good. And yeah, then he got yeah. hurt, right? But there the I mean the nugget of truth, the most important thing is that they're giving I think it's super apparent at this point that the Memphis coaching staff is giving Ganell a fair shot at winning that job. And he is like maybe it never translates to the field, but you like if you just try and dive a little bit into like Texas high school football history. His name is all over the record books. And like he gets talked about in terms of how he, how well he played in top Texas high school football in like the same breath as Kyler Murray. Like maybe like no one's Kyler in, in Texas football, but like he's not like when you talk about a cross comparison of like the last 15, 20 years, Grant Gannell's name weirdly shows up in that conversation. So he was like an insane recruit. Whoops, went to Arizona. Huge mistake, obviously, um, as JDL is about to find out. And now he's at Memphis, burned a bunch of my best ball teams to the ground last year when I was drafting him, thinking like he was going to no problem win this job. He clearly royally screwed something up. Like, I don't know if it was an ACL or an Achilles. I feel like Achilles was the rumor, but I mean, he's back competing for getting splitting reps right now. And that I, I want, I have no idea how the battle is going to actually play out, but I just don't think it's going to be something that I want a part of. Uh, Gun, gun to my head, I would take Grant though. I think that the the, ta- the talent, the fact that they're giving them uh, a a fair shot to to compete, I think Grant is probably the better quarterback. And I think do he would have won the job last year. Do you think this is like a really, poor, really, really poor man's SMU situation where like I see like Mike, who obviously we respect here on this podcast, just a little bit, a little bit. Uh, took Tanner Mordecai and Preston Stone in back-to-back picks in, like, the 10-11. Do you think that this could be, like, a poor man's version of that in, like, the 26-27? The, 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 the pairing of Mordecai and Stone and Shuck and Donovan Smith, that's, like, even too galaxy brain for me. The idea that you're projecting who wins and then who transfers out and where they go, and you're pinning your hopes on this, this optimal circumstance playing out. Like, we're – like that, I well, it's like, quite simple, right? Uh, yeah, it's really simple. There, I'll there, invent, dude, I'll invent all these scenarios in my head. Think about how many things you have to go right there for that to actually play out. And we're talking about a twelve-man league. We're not talking about a competition <laughs> across thousands of people in like underdog best ball NFL drafts where you need to really get like things right because you're competing against thousands of people. Then I think it makes more sense to, to think about things through that lens. Um, because you are trying to like you're trying to pinball everything perfectly. At least I don't know. That's how that's how I think about it. But in a 12 team league, you don't need that much to go right to to win. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I think that I think the difference is like you could run into situations where like sure you nail Tyler Shook or whatever his name is pronounced. I apologize, Tyler's family. No, that's the right way. Uh, you could have like another stud at the top and a stud at the bottom, like accidentally and you never use them you know what i'm saying like it's it's completely conceivable that like these guys have great weeks but like so do everybody else in your team in a sense so i saw this the other day and i was on twitter i was really intrigued by it the top receiver for memphis is Jaden ivory is that javon ivory yeah Jaden, he's not getting drafted in best balls so my my question to you, Andrew, here is not necessarily Gunnell versus Hennigan. Is it's is Ivory worth drafting in best ball? Like, do you think their offense is good enough where you draft Ivory, and where would you take him? Well, I like Ivory a lot, but that's just me. Well, you, dude, you're local. You should be talking about this, not me. But I. I He's drafted Ivory last state, year, Andrew. thinking He's in a that he would state. We just know nicely do some uh, WR two type stuff in Memphis, and it felt like it was a impossible to actually get him right from like a DFS perspective, and B he had mo- he had lots of opportunities to ascend and step into a WR one role last year with Austin being on and off the field a lot after the first half of the season, and 
he largely let you down. Um, so his audition didn't go great. Um, I feel like that as a result is driving his price down. Like if he showed out when Austin wasn't on the field, then we wouldn't be having this conversation because he'd be a top 10, 15 round pick. So I think you're onto something just in the sense that, okay, WR1 at Memphis has historically been a very valuable role. Um, he is the more of a known quantity than I think pretty much everyone else at Memphis. Your local Zach. And so, so is, um, so is our boy Clint, uh, that, that sociopath in our, uh, who drafts with us. In, in Clint Carlson, right? Yeah. He's Clint like, su- he's super, he's super Memphis, Memphis, Memphian. <laughs> um, but I don't know where he stands on this. The fact that he isn't drafting any ivory at all makes me sad. He's in the league, isn't he? He's in our best balls. Yeah. He's, he usually is like, Finger on the pulse in Memphis, so him not drafting Ivory sketches me. It's a alarming, bit. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, 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 mean, I just read just now that apparently they're going like by committee to fill Calvin Austin's spot, dude. Yeah. Well, that's it, the it, whole. That brings up the whole like, how much do you believe in the spring? Well, right. I I don't necessarily. Obviously, there's gonna be a guy that you know, yeah, uh, takes uh, a hold of it, but. It, it does kind of worry me that there's not a, like a clear cut, like Ivory should be the guy, but he yeah. hasn't really separated himself. That I does. think there's a lot of angles to that. I think a, a really, really good um, description or explanation of how like uh, off season works in college football is the other day I saw Austin from C2C tweet about Brew McCoy, like potentially transferring to Tennessee and then Jalen Hyatt had like been being hyped up as like this stud for them. And then also, oh yeah, all the by the way, all these freshman receivers are impressing. And Austin said, Well, like, what is it? Like, why are you recruiting Brew if Hyatt has been awesome and all these freshmen have been awesome? And I made the comment, like, Hyatt probably is doing really good. And the coach is also probably just hyping up freshmen so they feel good about themselves. Yeah. And it's also like comparative, right? It's like you are a high school senior that enrolled early. You should be at prom is like the, just the most famous, like enrolled early comment metaphor, right? He should be at prom next week. (laughs) And he's, they're doing really good. He's, he's doing better than we expected. But why would you turn down like an, a look at Brew McCoy? And I know a lot of those guys hate Brew McCoy, but like to me, it's like there's coach speak. You have to like, mm-hmm. it's great to hear it about the guy that you like. But a lot of times, unless there's proven track record, you could get really burned by it. Yeah. But I, I think overall, it's a, it's, there are enough data points that you can connect, enough dots that you can connect here to like craft a viable argument for why ivory is a good like a good like round 24 to 28 shot right now you think you would go gary bryant or ivory Mm, me personally 24th round bryant or ivory Uh, oh you really yeah Mm. chris your other your brian argument was more compelling than the ivory one it was but I, I think I'll go ivory just for the sake of it. Well, now it's in it's in stone. It is an interesting <laughs> debate though, because right, like ivory should be receiver one, Memphis offense. Like I don't think like, he's worse than receiver two for them. Yeah. Yeah, it's fair. All right. So that's it for the college football discussion. We'll come back to the our masters <laughs> week. We're gonna any of you guys make any bets this week mm-hmm. on the Masters. I'm in Georgia, man. We can't make bets, but I do have a couple of DraftKings lineups because okay, I if, gamble, oh, that's, that's fine. That's so my my bets are gamble, but okay, go on, dude. I don't know anything. I just follow people when it comes to this yeah. type of stuff. I got I, a lot of the Daily Roto guys that I still kind of follow, like the former Daily Roto guys, like kind of like Cantlay, like whether Cantlay, that's like a guilty, always bet on him and he always pleasure or not. I don't know. But besides that, I just like built a random team of stuff that like people have posted. To be honest, yeah, I I told you earlier I, I did bet on Tiger to win. I also bet on I, I like Tony Finau. That's more of a just yeah. I hope I hope he wins. Um, other if it's not Tiger, 
Um, Xander Shoffley is always a good one. He always seems to play well at Augusta. Um, Colin Morikawa. If there's a player in today's game that resembles Tiger Woods, it's called Colin Morikawa. I, I will I will hitch my wagon to Colin Morikawa for the next 15 years to like have the most resemblant career, as close as you could possibly get to what Tiger's done. But, oh boy, Andrew, how do you follow that up? Checking to see if they've moved the Tiger and missed the cut odds back to minus one fifty. <laughs> they're still minus one forty, so I don't feel good with that yet. <laughs> I liked Fee now though too, right? Like he's got a little yeah. bit of college football touch to him because doesn't yeah. his like brother or cousin play for BYU? Are they or actually related or something? I think. I think they're all related in some way. Yeah, that guy just went into the portal, though. Uh, the BYU guy. Mm. Well, he's portaling like everybody else. He's doing the whole college football journey. Oh, you know, Finau lives in Utah, right? Tony. Tony Finau lives I in Utah. I feel like we've discussed this in the background, but <laughs> I think we literally discussed this the last time. So we probably, I remember Finau. Are they related? Yeah. Finau was great, though, that same round. That, like, he was, like, fighting for it. The win against Tiger back back in the day, right? In 2019, it was the final group was Finau. It, was, it went to uh, groups of three to on the final round because they were trying to like because they had to get it in before the storm or something. So they went to threesomes instead of just pairings, and it was Tiger, Molinari, and Finau. Yeah, I will say Finau is great because he's got the good like suntan thing going. You know, like the whole like. You take off the hat, you see like a completely white face, <laughs> forehead. It's it's great to see. I'm changing right. my mind. I'm back on Ivory over uh, Brian. <laughs> We've moved on. You've already solidified it. There's no changing it. You're done. Oh man. Well, all right. So that's it. I, I won't make you guys talk Masters anymore. Um, my college football is kind of light this week, so we did a pod anyway. Um, but I know you guys like listening to us just talk anyway. It's not about college football. So. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Greg wanted a, a CFF sleeper or a, a deep sleeper or some shit. So I can't say he runs like he actually put together the first. It's not large scale, but the first best ball tournament that comprises multiple leagues, mm-hmm. right? The one that me and Chris run. So like he could ask me to talk about. Uh, anything CFF related, and I would have to accommodate him just for like making that dream come true. But, dude, one that someone striking me, you know, our boy Levi, Levi Williams, at, mm-hmm. say he's oh, not even course. running as the backup right now. Bonner's out for uh, the spring with whatever injury. I think it's an injury that he uh, that he suffered in the bowl game. And the guy who came in and backed him up, Cooper Legas, threw it. So he threw like an 80 yard touchdown to Hopkins on the first play that he saw in, in the bowl game. And he is a, like apparently standing out head and shoulders over every, all the other backups, all the other non bonners, which includes Levi, right? And so, like, those two things together make me think I want this guy on my dynasty teams. And if anything, like, if anything goes wrong with Bonner's recovery, then like, oh, all right, now I'm super interested for. For this year, I don't know if that, that like maybe let's just let's just hypothesize that Bonner's recovery kind of goes astray, and the coaches kind of speak about it through the lens of an, an open competition for the for the starting competition. No, nah, I think I think it's gonna be Legas. I think we've seen enough uh, for when Bonner's gone, and if anything kind of breaks in the direction of a backup having to start, like I I'm I'm on board. Unfortunately, at Levi's expense. Um, I, like it sucks. Like I like Levi, right? We like he's been a, one of our favorites going back to uh, when he first started getting run at Wyoming. But I, I don't. I wonder what Snake Oil Blake Anderson sold him to get him to transfer there. Like that is that is on par with a Schrader in Robert and I offense type of fit. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll say my guy. Uh, a, a VT guy that I talked about briefly on chasing that. Tavian Robinson, I think, could really be very valuable as like a last couple round pick, like 26, 27, 28 type round pick. Like he's was barely used at Virginia Tech. 
and showed flat. Like he has talent. Like, is it college talent? Yes. Is it NFL talent? Probably not. Right. But like, I think he, there's no reason for him not to be the number one type. And he's a punt returner, kick returner type. So like in terms of agility and, and making plays, I think he's very valuable. Um, and then I think what, there was like some news that came out on Jalen Mitchell looking really good. The Louisville running back. Yeah. This mm. past week, his, his ADP is like super low. Like it, like he might not even be picked in like a 28 round draft type low. And I think at this point you hear there's difference between coach speak and, you know, like legitimate info. And I think considering the upside of, of what he could do, plus what he's done in the past in like his time, I think that's more than worth picking in like the 26, 27, eight. And, uh, what Heath said about me po- publicly apologizing. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Like I was, I was, I gave credit to Georgia tech for doing something pretty cool. They did like a whole on field type thing, but it's not show, show me the lie. Could Alabama have a barbecue on the South end zone during their spring game? And the answer is no, because they're good. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he doubles down. I love it. Sorry, but I it is what it is. Love it. Um, I know we've talked about him. Like you talk about sleepers. Like I, if you're talking about really sleep deep sleepers, like Cam Porter from Northwestern, I feel like has an opportunity to be really good. Yeah, I think he goes pretty late. I've only done two best balls, but I think he goes pretty late in both of them. Um. But he has an opportunity to take that job and be a pretty good running back for them, I would think. I mean, he was – I took him, like, first round of supplemental draft, I think, or se- early second or something like that last offseason. Right. Assuming the injury doesn't get him, he's going to get a ton of – like, he should – like, in my opinion, he's good enough to win the job, and then he's going to get 20 touches. And I know Northwestern runs at a snail's pace, but, like, that's still pretty good. Like you could do a whole lot worse for sure. Yeah, really sure. just the recovery of the injury. Really, I mean, like, does he? That's the concern. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, um, that's all we've got. So, until um, next week, we'll leave it there. And uh, if you guys got anything else, we'll, no, we'll be talking set. about Tigers W. Yes. On, uh, Monday yes. or Tuesday. Or if he misses the cut, Andrew's gonna be like, "See, I knew it. I should have took. It. I should have taken it." <laughs> maybe no. we'll do like an emergency pod on sunday when he's winning it right afterwards oh we can't do that <laughs> you'll be you'll have hit too many course lights and you'll just spray them you know yeah well you know what no i won't even go into <laughs> i won't even go into what happened last week but anyway that's all we got so until next time see you later guys, see you guys. Peace.